Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. So, as you turn in your Bibles, please, to... Matthew chapter 6, we're getting ready here to continue in our, our study of the Lord's words to us in the Sermon on the Mount. Let's pray first of all. Father, thank you so much for taking the time, Lord, to teach us. We need to be taught, and Lord, we pray that this morning would be no different from the rest, Lord, that you would continue your guidance of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Shut the door. I always get scared of boogeyman in the dark there. So. All right, Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. Okay, no man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life what you shall eat or for or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body, what you shall put on, is not the life more than meat, than the body, than raiment. Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they toil not, neither do they spin. Yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothe the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe ye, you, O ye of little faith? Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things." Okay, now, we're in this section here on the Sermon on the Mount, and with an emphasis, as it has been, on the heart. And we've seen how the Lord has guided us that when we just don't feel like loving God, and we just don't feel like serving God, and we don't want to pray and, and have a heart for the things of God. And the Lord now has guided us through those terrible waters of life that we all go through. When he's left us with these words, when we just departed from him, we departed from him as our first love, and he has said to us in verse 21, where your treasure is, your heart will follow also. So he's guided us, he said, look, invest. Give your time, give your effort, give your resources, because where your resources are, where your investment has been, that'll be like a magnet that will draw your heart like a magnet draws iron. And so he's guided us there, and now he's turned to the subject of money, and possessions in verse 24, when he talks about masters. He says, no one can serve two masters. 
And he says that you're either gonna hate the one and love the other, or else you'll hold the one, despise the other. And he goes on and he speaks about you cannot serve God and mammon. Now, how strange it is here for the Lord to speak of money as a master in competition with the Lord as a master. It's, it, well, clearly, for a person to have money is not a sin, provided that money does not become the master over that person, and that person does not become the servant to the money. And when money is pictured as a master, that means that as a master, money makes demands on a person. The kind of demands that money would make are things like, I order you to go make more money. I order you to go work harder to make money. I order you to devote more of your thoughts on how you're going to make more money. When that happens, then money becomes a master and the person becomes a servant to the master. Because the person only has a limited amount, all of us only have a limited amount of energy to work with. We have a limited amount of time to devote. We have a limited capacity for thinking. And money as the master is saying, I want that. I want that limited energy. I want that limited time. I want those limited thoughts of yours to use to make more money. Whereas the Lord is saying, no, I want that limited energy. I want that time. I want those thoughts for you to use for my kingdom, for my glory. And so the person is caught in the middle of these two masters making demands. Money's making demands. The Lord is making demands. Both calling for this limited amount of energy and time and thoughts. And the person has to make a decision. They gotta make a decision. They're gonna obey money or they're gonna obey God. And as the Lord personifies money as this person called mammon, which is an idol, the greatest of all idols, why? Because it's the idol of all nations, it's the idol for all times. There's only one reason why a person would ever choose to obey the Lord as a master and not money, and that reason is illustrated in the history of the servant of Exodus 21. Exodus 21 gives us a picture of a servant a servant and a ceremony. It says there in Exodus 21, 2, Exodus 21, 2, if thou buy an Hebrew servant, six years he shall serve, and in the seventh year he shall go out free for nothing. If he came by himself, if we were married, then his wife shall go out with him. If his master have given him a wife, she have borne him sons and daughters, the wife and her children shall be her masters, he shall go out by himself. And if the servant shall plainly say, I love my master, my wife, my children. I will not go out free. Then his master shall bring him unto the judges. He shall also bring him to the door, unto the doorpost, and his master shall bore his ear through with all, and he shall serve him forever. So what has happened here is that a servant has made a decision, not the master, but the servant has made a decision, and his decision is expressed in a very clear statement, Exodus 21.5, Exodus 21.5, if the servant shall plainly say, I love my master, I will not go out free. He served his master for six years, the servant has. He's gotten to know his master. He's gotten to know how kind the master is, how caring the master is, how loving the master is, and now he's being set free, and we can see him there. Just picture the servant. The servant is now standing at the front door, the door that leads to outside. 
He's standing there at the front door of the house. He's been told, you have fulfilled your obligation. You have served the six years. Now you're free to go. You're told you are free now. You no longer have to serve the master. The servant is standing there right there at the front door. His back is toward the house, and he's told, look, there's a whole big wide world out there, and it's just waiting for you, and you are now got your freedom. You can go. And we see him there standing at the front door. He's facing the world where he's going to be a free man, and he thinks to himself, a free man. I've waited for six years for this day, or have I really? When I came to this work at this house, he's thinking to himself, he's standing at the front door, back door of the house. He's saying, when I came to work for this master, I really didn't know him. I had to work for him, but I didn't know him. I really didn't know how kind, how loving, how caring, how providing this person is. But over the last six years, I've really gotten to know him and love him. And now as I face the world as a free man and I've got my back face torn on this house, I can't stand the thought of being separated from my master. I love my master. I love all he's done for me. I love how he's provided me a wife and a family. I love my master. And then at the front door, that servant makes a very symbolic turnaround. And he turns around and he says no to the outside he says yes to his master, and that's where the Exodus 21.5 comes in, Exodus 21.5, where he says, if the servant shall plainly say, I love my master, I will not go out free. All this is happening at the front door. And then there's a ceremony that happens at that same front door. A ceremony right at the place where the servant made his decision to love and not go out free, but to be his master's servant forever because he loves his master. And that ceremony is Exodus 21.6. Exodus 21.6, where the master brings them to the judges, they bring them to the door, to that doorpost, that very doorpost where he made his decision, and the master takes an awl and bores his ear through, and he shall serve him forever, as the Bible says. And there, that servant would receive this hole in his ear, a hole in his ear that he would have for the rest of his life, a hole in his ear that he could at any time reach up and feel that and say, oh yeah, I remember that day. I remember that day when I plainly said, I love my master and I won't leave him, and as I feel this hole in my ear, I remember the day. Kind of a little bit of like the breaking of bread. As I take that bread, I remember that day in which the Lord died. As I take that cup, I remember that day. This is a servant, as he puts his hand on his ear, I remember that day. And then every time that servant would go past the front door of the house, he'd look up on that doorpost and he'd see that hole that was caused by the awl that went through his ear to the door. And he would say, I see that hole. It reminds me of the day when I gave my life forever to be the servant to the master I love. I am his loyal servant to obey. That was the day when the servant made his decision, his commitment to obey his master forever because of the love he had his master. Very much, very similar, like the decision, like the day, that a Moabite woman made her commitment, her name was Ruth, to her mother-in-law, Naomi. When Ruth was free to leave, she was free to leave, she was free to go back to her Moabite people, and in a very similar way, as Ruth turned and watched her sister-in-law, Orpah, walk away from Naomi. And Ruth then at that point, just like that servant, turned around to Naomi and said, no, 
I will not go out free from you. And just like that servant who said plainly that he loved his master, Ruth said plainly that she loved Naomi when she told Naomi those famous words in Ruth 1.16, Ruth 1.16, when Ruth said, entreat me not to leave thee or to return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go. Where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God my God. Where thou diest, will I die, and there will I be buried. And there was only one reason why Ruth made that decision to stay with Naomi, and that was love. Ruth loved Naomi so much that she sacrificed her freedom. Entreat me not to leave thee. Because she loved Naomi so much that she sacrificed her future, whither thou goest, I will go. She loved Naomi so much, Ruth did, that she sacrificed her home, where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Ruth sacrificed her people, your people shall be my people. And Ruth sacrificed her God, your God will be my God. She sacrificed the place where she would die when she said, where thou diest will I lie, and there will I be buried. And she did all this because she loved Naomi. And the servant did all that because he loved the master. But Ruth did not have those feelings of love for Naomi when she first married Naomi's son and came into Naomi's house. But it was after Ruth had lived there with Naomi that she got to know Naomi and Ruth got to love Naomi to the point of turning back and saying, I will not leave Naomi because I love Naomi. And that's what happened with the servant in Exodus 21. He didn't have those feelings of love for his master when he first came to work there six years earlier, but it was after the servant had lived in his master's house for those six years, he'd gotten to know his master, that the servant came to love his master to the point of turning back and saying, I won't leave him because I love him. And we are very much in the position of the servant in Exodus 21 and in the position of Ruth when we first were saved by the Lord Jesus Christ. We really didn't know him. We didn't know him. I mean, we knew we were sinners. We needed to be saved from the domination of sin in our lives, and we needed to be saved from the judgment of God from being cast into hell. We knew we were dirty. We had to be cleansed from our sins, but we didn't know him. But we came to the Lord Jesus he did all that for us. I can say at that time, we didn't have a history of a life with Jesus. But that was just our beginning, just like when that servant first entered the house of the master in Exodus 21, and just like when Ruth first entered into Naomi's house. But then, as we started down the road of our life with the Lord Jesus, and we saw how wonderful he is. We saw how compassionate he is. Compassionate, we saw how caring he is and how much he takes care of us and he's with us. And when we did that, when we did saw that, then we loved him. We got to love him. Just like the servant who saw his master develop this deep love for his master, just like Ruth who saw Naomi and developed this deep love for Naomi. As we went on with the Lord Jesus, we developed this deep love for him. And there came this time in our life, this moment at the front door for the servant, this moment before Naomi for Ruth. And we came to the point, at that point in our Christian life, where we said, I want to dedicate my life to the Lord Jesus Christ. I want my life to be like it's never been in the past. The Galatians 2.20 experience happened to us later in our Christian life, not at the beginning, 
later as we loved him and we could say, I am crucified with Christ, Galatians 2.20. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. The life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. That's a statement of love. I love the Lord Jesus Christ so much that I want a new life to be Philippians 1.21, Philippians 1.21, for me to live is Christ. I love him so much, I want him to take total control of my life, I want him to obey him in every way so that others see Christ in me. And that's the moment when we were at the front door with that servant and we turned around and said, no, I won't go out free. I won't serve any other master. Christ only shall be my master. And that's the point, when we put our ear at the doorposts of the Lord's house and ask for the all of commitment to be put through our ear. That's a point of, that's a time of our dedication of our lives to the Lord Jesus. And that's a time when we stood there and say, entreat me not to leave thee nor from following after thee. It's that love. It's the love of commitment to obey that will keep us from trying to do the impossible, which is Matthew 6, 24. Matthew 6, 24, no man can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he'll hold the one, despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. And that's a deception that the devil tries to put over on man. And that deception is, well, yeah, you can obey God, and you can also make yourself rich. All you have to do is just submit to the voice of money, and it'll tell you what to do to make yourself rich, and still love God, go to church, okay, muzzle tough on you. And God says in verse 22 about that, no, it does not work. No man can serve two masters. For either he's gonna hate the one, love the other, he's gonna hold the one, despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon, money. And if a person tries to do it, tries to, I think I'll be the first one to get away with it. If he tries to serve God and obey, and yet he tries to serve God, and he wants to follow the voice of money, make himself rich, then he becomes the man described in James 1.8. James 1.8, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. But to shut the eye to the call of money and put the eye on obeying the Lord is what the Lord's referring to in Matthew 6.22. Matthew 6.22. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. To have an eye to obey only the Lord Jesus is to have a Matthew 6.22 whole body full of light, full of light, not just a little light, full of light. But to have an eye on money, to obey money, is to fall into the Matthew 6.23 category. Matthew 6.23, then I be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. And how great is that darkness? Not just darkness, full of darkness, not just darkness, great darkness because the person's listening to money. When God says in Proverbs 23, 26, Proverbs 23, 26, my son, give me thine heart. That's God saying that. And money says, no, give me thine heart. When God says in Hebrews 13, 5, Hebrews 13, 5, be content with such things as you have. And money says, don't be content, reach for more and more and more, you're not where you will be, grasp higher and higher, sky's the limit for the money you can get. When God says in Mark 10, 19, Mark 10, 19, do not steal, do not bear false witness, defraud not, and money says, 
Forget about it. The ends justify the means. If you can get money, get it by any means where you can get away with. When God says in Matthew 19.21, Matthew 19.21, give to the poor, and money says, are you kidding? Keep it all for yourself. Giving to charity is just depleting you. You're just setting yourself backwards. When God says in Philippians 4.6, Philippians 4.6, be careful, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Money says, be careful for everything. Be anxious for everything. If you don't look out for yourself, no one else is gonna look out for you. When God says in Exodus 28, Exodus 20, verse eight, Exodus 20, verse eight, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy, money says, are you kidding me? That day is as good as any other day to make money. Use that day for work. So with all these conflicting calls from the two masters, God and money, it's obvious in um, Matthew 6.24, Matthew 6.24, no man can serve two masters. You cannot serve God and mammon. Now the Lord goes and comes back to this issue of worry. He says, worry, as he says in verse 25, verse 25, therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life what you shall eat, what you shall drink, nor yet for your body what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? So he starts off in verse 25 with the word therefore, which means that what he's been saying now is not a new subject. It's following what he's saying. That means that the voice of money is saying take thought, which means worry about, you know, worry about your life, worry about what you're gonna eat, worry about what you're gonna drink, worry about the clothes you're gonna put on your body. And all those calls to worry are coming from the master money. And then a person says, what if I can't stop worrying about it? What am I supposed to do? And the Lord now teaches us what you're supposed to do is to use reason. And I'm gonna teach you how to reason. I'm gonna guide you into the correct lines of reasoning. And the reasoning that he's talking about here is a reasoning that goes like this. God gave me life, and if he gave me life, he didn't give me life to die, and I need meat to live, So, and meat is less than life, so he's gonna give me meat to live. Now that's a reasoning that he's getting nice to do. There's a reasoning along these lines of, God gave me a body. He didn't give me a body to be exposed. Clothes are less than a body, so God will give me clothes to put on my body. That's reasoning, and this is the reasoning that he's guiding us into. Now, to help us from hanging our heads in worry, which is what we are prone to do, he tells us, look up. He says, look up in Matthew 6, 26, verse 26. Verse 26, he says, behold the fowls of the air. They sow not, do they reap, do they gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? So it's interesting that he doesn't say, look at the fowls, look at the birds. He doesn't say that. He says, he calls them the fowls of the air, the fowls of the air. His point is, is that he wants us to look at the fowls, at the birds, when they're flying in the air. The point is, birds are flying in the air, and he says, look at that. And when they fly in the air, they are so separated from the earth. But their food is in the earth, it's not in the skies. But their food is down there, but they're flying up there. You don't see the birds up there saying, what am I doing up here in the air? Why am I flying in the air? I should be down there in the ground, that's where my food is. But the Lord wants us to look at these birds flying through the air, not on the ground worrying about where their food is. The Lord wants us to see the birds and to say, and to see, look, the birds are not saying, 
We can't be wasting our time flying around in the sky. We need to dig trenches in the earth, in the ground. We need to plant seed. We need to harvest the crops, and we got to put them in barns. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California. Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800 247 3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for the Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. 